And now, live from Atlanta, Georgia, everyone's social media friend, it's Deb Creer. Every week, Deb talks with the movers and shakers, the experts, the best of the best in social media, bringing you all of the latest tips, techniques, and trends for successfully using social media. In social media, there's only one constant, Deb Creer. Good morning, good morning, everyone. I am Deb Creer. I'm the socialite, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. And today, we're going to do one of those programs where we're really not talking about social media, but the cool thing is I met my guests on social media, so you never know where you're going to make these great acquaintances. Um, And so please join me in welcoming... Jane Treat and Nancy Gia. Hello, hello. Hi there. Well, the the cool thing is they're back in Colorado. I love this. We're on Mile High Radio, and my guests are actually in Colorado. <laughs> Here I am down in Hotlanta, but you know it's and and we never met when I was in Colorado. Um, we will have to remedy that the next time we're back there. But um, you know, yes, we well, hopefully we'll be back there before too long. My listeners and the people who follow me on social media know that. Uh, my husband and I are diehard University of Colorado fans. Yes, I did go to CSU, but, you know, we're CU fans. And we still have our football tickets. <laughs> so right. uh, we try and get back, uh, you know, at, at least once a year to, to watch the Buffs. Well, that'll make uh, you a lot of friends right there. I know. Friends and enemies. And, you know, and, and it's real funny out here in SEC and ACC land. They don't even know that there's football past, you know, the Mississippi, <laughs> um, you know, and, and which is kind of good. But, you know, I, I do have to tease them. And I say, you know what, you have those that 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 mascot that's like that bulldog. And we have a buffalo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know? a buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and so you got it. Got it. And even the Ram, you know, we love Cam the Ram. <laughs> So very cool. But okay, we digress. We we got way <laughs> off point here. But that is part of what we're doing today is we're not really talking about social media. We are talking about this fabulous book that Jane and Nancy have written. And as I was reading it, it was one of those where I was going, mm-hmm, uh-huh, yeah, oh, yeah, mm-hmm, tell it, sister. I mean, it, it really was something that I was thoroughly enjoying reading. Um, I did meet both of, of my guests on social media. And so that's what makes this very cool. And that may be all we talk about social media. But, you know, because we are here to talk about their book. But before we do that, I need to tell people a little bit about you. So let me give a quick introduction of both of you. So Nancy Gia has a a doctorate in education. She is a motivational speaker, an author, a workshop leader, and a trainer, a teacher, a nurse, and a consultant. She has worked as a hospital nurse and taught health and wellness in public schools and universities for over 20 years. Nancy currently works for the Colorado State Department of Labor and Employment as a trainer, and she is also president of Red Hawk Mountain Consulting. She enjoys being in nature, antiquing, see, that's why we get along, discovering ghost towns, hiking, gardening, and Old West history. Jane Treat is a writer, author, and storyteller who has worked with women of all ages with life transitions, workshops, and retreats. She spent many years as a community organizer and running a community and resource center. Jane also loves children and has worked for years as a library and media coordinator for an elementary school. She is an avid reader, 
loves nature, camping, gardening, and traveling. So again, please join me in welcoming Jane and Nancy. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Applause, applause, applause. <laughs> so the book, and I love this title, and we're really going to delve into all of this, but the book is called Women and Middlehood, Halfway Up the Mountain. And right there, there's so many things that we could talk about because there's the term middlehood and then there's halfway up the mountain. Mm -hmm. So let's take a step back. Why did you decide to write the book? Well, we wrote it several years ago and we were, Jane and I have a lot of experience, uh, you know, like you read a lot of career moves and mm -hmm. experience with women in many ways. And we are both in middlehood. So we're be between the ages of 40 and 65 is why we wrote the book. Mm -hmm. And we just decided we had so much to say because there were so many of our friends who wanted <laughs> advice or inspiration mm -hmm. or motivation in their lives. And we thought, well, you know, I think we could write a book on this. <laughs> right. Pretty sure we could. So mm -hmm. we decided uh, to uh, take uh, do a survey of women mm -hmm. around the world. Uh, and we, would, we needed to find out what, we, what kind of topics and issues that women thought were most important in their lives in these age groups okay. and uh, okay. we did the survey it went around the world people came back with all kinds of of answers and topics that they wanted and so in the book the content the table of contents are those topics that women said were most important to them mm -hmm. so then we get, went from there right well you've you've coined the term and i've i've actually never heard it anywhere else <laughs> middlehood and it's not middle age. You know, I, I love it in the book. You talk about the fact that we like that wine and cheese age. But, you know, people, ugh, you know, and, and, and so why did you use the term middlehood? Well, actually, I made up that word um, because I was looking for a word that was neutral, that just mm -hmm. defined a life stage and wasn't just loaded with heavy expectations or negativity the way middle-aged is. As a, as a right. writer and a storyteller, I know that the words we choose have meaning and value to them. Mm -hmm. And that you can learn a lot about how people feel about themselves or things in their lives by the words they choose to use. And in American English, we generally say uh, youthful, and then mm -hmm. we say middle-aged and old-aged. Right. Uh, and there are other, these days they're a little bit more flexible mm -hmm. about terms, but mm -hmm. those are still the most common ones. So what you can tell about our culture is that you are either full of youth or you are mm -hmm. aging. And really, those are your only two options. Right. And it's a positive and then a negative. Exactly. All day. So we wanted something that just defined this life stage. Um, and so we decided, well, there's adulthood and there's childhood and that sort of thing. So let's just call it middlehood and take right. away all of the negativity and just define mm -hmm. this age, this time of life. So that's right. how it came to be. We did actually trademark the word. <laughs> oh, good. So nobody else can use it, Deb. <laughs> perfect perfect i love it i love well, it and you know the other thing is we're our mother's daughters but we're not the same in those generations are so different mm -hmm. i'm we're in our 60s and we are our parents would be in their 80s now if they were still alive and and that's a whole other generation of the way right. women were looked at 
and the way they were described as middle age and old age. But now in our 60s at this time in our lives, so far only the young ones are calling me old, but uh, basically we're not seeing ourselves as old. Right. You know? Well, and, and when we talk about our, our parents' generation, um, and you do discuss this a bit in the book, you know, they went through the depression mm-hmm. and, you know, or they were, you know, for those who are a little bit younger, they, you know, uh, uh, the Korean War, right. you know, things like that. My father was in World War II. Our I mean, he student. was a sergeant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and so they had all of those various challenges. And then, you know, you hit the 60s and you had just everything going on then. But, you know, before then, your your role models on TV were June Cleaver, um, <laughs> Lucy. You know, and, and I, I look back at these TV programs now and I, I always think, how did they ever get children? Because they never slept in the same bed. I mean, you know, that was that was one of the, you know, they always had twin beds next to each other. I thought that was always very cute. Um, but, you know, the, the women, they never worked. If they worked, they were a teacher or they were a nurse. And, um, you know, and, and then when they got married they stayed home. Uh-huh. And, you know, that was, that was great. That worked very well. And, and, you know, things like that, but, and for, you know, for the most part, you, they were able to get by on just the one income and, you know, and, and it was great to be able to have the parents that were at home. And, and now my mother worked part-time, my father obviously worked full-time, but my mom worked part-time, but she was always home when I came home from school mm-hmm. and, you know, all of these various things. But, you know, we, they had these weird role models or not weird. They had these different role models. And then our generation had, you know, we, we had the, the, the growing up in the sixties and the seventies. And I'm not sure I'd call any of those people role models, but it was, you know, it, it really was something that was different. And then of course, heavens, you know, we have the millennials and, and all of those. And, and it's, it, it is just interesting to kind of watch how all of this takes place. Right. It is very interesting. I, I train on a class called Generations in the Workplace. And mm-hmm. one of those, and the thing is that we do have, and this is a little off topic, but we do have five generations in the workforce right now, mm-hmm. which we never did because our baby boomers and our parents are still working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> still yeah, whether by choice or, or you know, because they, because they financially need it. Because of need. And so mm-hmm. our role models, I guess you were talking about role models in the 50s and 60s, our role models were our parents. My mom was my role model. I don't think mm-hmm. that I even had any the way our young people do now. Right. You know. Well, and, you know, I still remember. Now, my, my father was uh, quite a bit older than my mother. And when I decided to go to college, you know, now I graduated from high school. I'm going to date myself here. I graduated in 1980. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that point, uh, women really were going to college. I mean, this was not something that was uncommon. But there were still comments that you were going for your MRS degree <laughs> and you know, and, and, and my father who you know was really was a lot older, he couldn't understand Now He supported me. You know, that was perfectly fine with him, but he was a little perplexed as to what I was going to do. And then of course it didn't help that I got a degree in social science, which you don't do anything with anyway. But, um, you know, it, it was something that, we didn't have strong role models to look up to, you know, except for the people like our mother, our aunt, you know, grandmother, people like that. And, and of course, they were fabulous role models because they had been through so much, whether it was the depression, whether it was, you know, uh, things like that. But then things changed and women were in the workplace. Women were never getting married or being single parents. And everything was just completely topsy-turvy. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, I think I think the other thing we have to remember is that um, working class women and um, poor women have been working. They've right. always worked mm -hmm. in a way that middle class and upper class women didn't have to. And I think in the generation mishmash of our parents and then the transition into um, our generation and the younger women coming now, things are so much more fluid and open mm -hmm. and the challenges, some of them are just the challenges of women who have right. children and families and responsibilities and they're trying to work jobs and they're trying to be creative and they're trying to have friends and a Mm -hmm. and a relationship. I mean, there's just so much going on in so many of our lives that it's complicated. And right. I think that, um, I still think, and we say this in the book for sure, that one of the best ways that we find our way through all this confusion and change that's going on is we talk to our friends, we talk to our sisters, and mm -hmm. if we still can, we talk to our moms. Right. Because that's what women do. We talk to mm -hmm. each other and that's what helps get us through all kinds of things. And I think right. all really learned that. I know that my mother um, really had wonderful friends, but it, it was uh, different for her uh, mm -hmm. in terms of what she and her friends talked about. There were a lot of taboo subjects. And oh yeah, you definitely didn't talk about sex no. or you menopause. Know, and, uh -huh. or, right? Yeah, none of that. Well, you didn't even really talk about your health at all. Right. No, you suffered silently. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. my mom always suffered silently. She yeah. mm -hmm. she would not when she was going through menopause. I had no idea except she kept saying, "Is it hot in here?" <laughs> exactly. Right. That's all. She and you're thinking, said. "What the heck?" So she'd run outside in the snow. <laughs> That's all I ever knew. But basically, you know, we that generation was they're called the silent generation for a reason. Right. Yeah. Right. But we well, are silent. We're not silent. No. <laughs> You know, and, 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 you know, in your book, you talk about the fact that we aren't silent and we ask questions, yeah. um, you know, and, and, and sometimes it shocks people. Of course, you know, the funny thing now is we, you know, for the most part, we go to our, whatever our doctor is, whether it's a, a gynecologist or a general practitioner or whoever, and they're younger than we are. So that's yeah. always entertaining. Yeah. Um, but, but we do question them and our our mother's generation you didn't question authority no and so you know when you started in the change um you know it, your doctor wouldn't ask and you certainly didn't tell them you know and, and and you never said hey i'm having hot flashes or my my mood swings are are driving me nuts or you know anything like that and now we're, we're very different. You know, we're asking questions. We're wanting to know very proactively, what can we do? What can we do to make it better? Um, you know, and, and it's not, Hey, you're going to give me a pill. You know, we're exploring all the different options and saying, okay, I want to go with, with herbs or, you know, it might be taking hormone replacement, things like that. But, but we're much more questioning about all of this. Well, and I also want to say, Deb, that in, in our parents, in our mom's defense, our aunts, our moms, the women before us, in the silent generation that didn't even have all this information. Right. You know, the knowledge of their own doctors wasn't even as good as we have. Mm -hmm. So sometimes those women didn't know what to ask right. because they didn't have any information. I know for sure my mom was very silent 
uh, mm-hmm. about that sort of thing because she didn't even know the right questions. Right. So even now, it, women in the baby boomers and and the and the Gen Xs sometimes still don't know what to ask. Mm-hmm. So that's where they're silenced. That's the right. the silence that is hard. Mm-hmm. Well, and and it is difficult, um, you know, and and as, even as things change, sometimes we don't want to ask those questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and you talk about this a lot in the book that, you know, we, we, as whether we're vain, whether it's, it's whatever, we don't want to hit that magic age. Uh-huh. You know, when I got my AARP card in the mail, I was offended, <laughs> you know, and, and, and there was a part of me that was really offended. <laughs> and then another part of me went, Ooh, discounts. <laughs> you know? And so, you know, it's, it, and, and the vain part of me has still won out. The card is still in the envelope, but you know, it, it is one of those things where, you know, we, we don't want to admit that we're getting older. You know, the, the beauty, you know, the, I don't know how much hair dye is, is sold, but it's, it's a whole bunch of hair dye. Um, you know, and, and obviously there's Botox, there's, you know, oil of Olay, there's, you know, all of these things. We go kicking and screaming into middlehood when we actually really should be embracing it. And that's the big part of your book is it is a great time to, to be a woman, you know, between, you know, the ages of 40 and 65, because there's so much that, that you can look forward to. You know, one, uh, another thing is what we wrote in the book about uh, the healthcare piece is that women don't go to the doctor as often as they should doing their annual. They should also right. go annually doing their mammograms and all. But a lot of women that we talked to uh, and we talked to hundreds said that they didn't want to go to the doctor because they were afraid that they would find something wrong. Right. Or they would be yeah. scolded. Or scolded, mm-hmm. yeah. For yes. being overweight yes. or still smoking or, you know, all those kinds of things. How come you didn't come in sooner? That's yeah. the right. thing. That's why they don't go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, it's it's funny because we tell our husbands, you have to go, you know, and, 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 you know, if you have children, you're making them go and, and all of these things. And, and some of it is, we just, you know, we don't have time, don't have time. Can't go do that. Don't have time. But I think it is kind of the ostrich thing, you know, and, 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 you know, when you go in and you mentioned in the book, you know, there was someone whose doctor actually waggled his finger at them, you know, like they were 12 years old and they'd been bad. And, and all of a sudden we do, we revert to being 12 years old. And it's like, oh, you know, and, and so then the next time you're thinking, I'm feeling okay. So I can skip my annual physical this year, you know, or, or I can put it off for a couple of months. And, and then unfortunately that's where problems come in because, you know, that something isn't diagnosed when it should be diagnosed. You know, um, Christian Northrup, who is a tremendous doctor and advocate for women's health, um, one of the things that she said about our book, we we asked her to read it and do a a review, and she gave us a a short, um, what do you call it? Well, it's just a little short. Uh, oh, a testimony. Yeah, yeah, about it's, the book. It's on our website, Middlehood. Mm-hmm. And she said one of the things she thinks is so important about women and our taking back the power that we have over our own lives is by redefining a lot of these um, age-related limitations. Mm-hmm. and fears that we have, like you were talking about before, about still, still, uh, women are afraid to turn 40. It's just mm-hmm. everybody has a big downer party. 
you know. Yeah, we're, and you're given all these things that Sympathy are over the hill. And, and yeah, and and they're black, you know. Yeah. I'm like, Ugh. and what about this? The new forties, the new thirty. That's just way uh-huh. of making people feel worse. Right. <laughs> not better because you you know you might have those little aches and those little pains and the little gray hair and you're thinking oh <laughs> right right but you know society doesn't help us feel any better about ourselves no you know we in our the baby boomers have more money than anybody in terms of that but we're not the ones that the market is on is right, always right. talks about they're like let's go to the millennials let's go to this gen y's and x's and and all this mm-hmm. yet it, we're the ones with all the money Right. They don't talk to us. You know, and, and it's funny because, you know, they, they, the advertisers don't talk to us. And, and you know, pro- television programs, movies, I mean, you know, they're, they're looking at the younger demographics. And it's like we don't exist. And you talk about that several times in the book that we start feeling like we're invisible exactly. and that we're not valued. And, of course, the opposite really should be true, that, you know, people are turning to us. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, a man or a woman right. for the wisdom and the knowledge that we have uh, hopefully gained through the years and sure we've made mistakes you know and it's funny I, th- I always think about this and I think there's nothing that I would not do that I had done you know I wouldn't go back and say oh I wish I hadn't done that mm-hmm. because hopefully I learned from it some of them were just stupid mistakes and and you know fortunately nothing was was terribly serious but I learned from all of them you know, whether it was that was the wrong person to date or, you know, oh, I can't believe I took that job or, you know, any of those things. And, you know, so then we can pass that wisdom on. Right. And I think um, a lot of cultures really are good about recognizing the importance of older people. in Right. The elders. Exactly. And they have a distinct role and there's something really exciting about being able to aspire to that and Mm -hmm. so many of us have lost that in our families and cultures certainly our our religions don't really support that Uh, we just don't have the same kind of community um not just support but community enhancement the the Mm -hmm. knowing that the elder people in a community enhance the whole community right and i i think that's part of what nancy and i have wanted to do that this book can help set all of us and the conversations that we have with each other and the support that we have with each other to really encourage ourselves to start stepping down that road with Mm -hmm. pride with excitement with respect with laughter all of that, because that's all part of our lives. And, right. and we hope that the book and what we learned from writing the book and living our lives and hearing so many women's stories is that we can help offer that to other women so that we don't have to be afraid. Mm-hmm. We told people that we've lived this book. Yeah. We right. didn't just, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. to tell you, we, uh, in the past, the chapter on the passing of parents and other goodbyes, my parents were dying when we wrote that chapter. Oh, both of them within nine mm-hmm. months of each other. So that chapter is raw. You know, mm-hmm. that's the one that I had to sit down and write while I was in the very midst of that experience. Right. So one of the things we I mean, the biggest pe- reason why we wrote the book is we don't want women to think they're alone. Mm-hmm. You know, that middlehood women can turn to each other as well as the younger ones or the older ones that, you know, if they're right in the middle of middlehood, 
I, I find great solace in and talking with other women who are going through the same thing. Mm-hmm. And we laugh. And we laugh a lot. <laughs> right, right. You know, and, and I think that's one of the secrets, and, and you have it in here. Let's see, let me find it. Page 231. See, I was remembering this because I wanted to, to look at it. Um, you know, that that many women, for their best advice, we asked many women for their best advice and found that most of the individual suggestions boiled down to a few basic ideas. Start with one thing, even something small, that makes your life better. Hang around with positive people. Hello. This should be common sense. Pray. Spend time with people who love and believe in you. Laugh often, hard, and loud. And you don't put this in there, but it doesn't matter if you tinkle a little bit. Exactly. Doesn't matter at all. Right. Stay focused on what you want and take it a step at a time. And, you know, and, and I love that because it really is simple, really is basic, but we get caught up in thinking, oh my gosh, this, no, it's too simple. It's too basic because, <coughs> excuse me, there's so many things I have to be doing right now. And, you know, and we forget and, and we think, well, you know, people are going to think we're silly or worse, senile, yes. um, you know, and, and so we're still, I think in so many cases, trying to be what someone expects us to be. And that's what I love about your book is you're really saying in it, you need to be you. And, and, you know, here's, and, and every you is different. You know, it's not that Mm -hmm. you, you have to do it this way or you have to do it that way. It's find your own path and, and be that person. Exactly. And we're just telling people, uh, just it's don't care what people think. You know, it's, mm-hmm. we, we, Jane and I are at the age right now where we really don't care what people think. So mm-hmm. we just go along and be ourselves in our lives. But the younger ones, the ones in their 40s, uh, you know, the younger middlehood age, sometimes still care what people think. Right. Well, they'll learn. They'll learn. But that basically right. and, we're telling them to just be who you are. You're right. the best you could ever be. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and we're not saying that means you can insult people. No. You know, and, and things like that. I mean, you know, my, my father has been gone now for several years and, and bless him, you know, he, we talk about this, bless your heart bless in you. the South. You know, he lost that filter of, you know, knowing what to say and what not yeah. to say. And, and, you know, and there were times where, and, and he was partially deaf. And so, you know, not only did he lose that filter, but he yelled yeah. and, you know, he used words that you shouldn't use and he called people things that you shouldn't. And so that's not what we're saying, but... But it, it really is, you know, if, if you want to go to that business event in the bright tie-dye outfit, why not? That's right. right. You know, one of my very favorite pieces of advice about uh, life is real simple, but I still hold it in my mind and think of it often. And um, it, it's just be yourself and love the world. Right. So, and I think a lot of indigenous people have really known how important it is to foster the individual gifts mm-hmm. as long as those gifts are coming back into the community. And right. that's what we're saying here is if you just be yourself, you're going to have something unique and creative mm-hmm. to offer to your family, to your friends, to your work to something you may never have even tried before. And we mm-hmm. need that. I mean, we we, all we have to do is look around in the world right now to know 
that we need people who are authentic, who are creative, mm -hmm. who are rooted in the well-being and love of this world and our communities and humanity. That's you know, it can get as big as we want it to get, or it can be as as day to day as our families and friends right. people yeah. work with. Maybe, maybe it's just smiling at the people in the grocery store. Right. You know, they could have been having a horrible day, and when you smile at them, they're like, oh. oh. Well, yeah, I can tell yeah. you, Deb, if I go into the grocery store and I stand in the 10 and underline, I could get mm -hmm. life stories until we get to the first yeah. item. I mean, mm -hmm. life stories, people will just talk to me as if mm -hmm. I'm somebody they've always known. She has the face. I have the face. Mm -hmm. Say she has the face. Yes, yes. Well, and, and other people, you know, they... they you know, they, they gravitate toward that. They know that you're a compassionate person. And, you know, it, it's funny. My husband always tells me, how is it you attract the kooks? <laughs> you know, because I have the ones coming up and telling me the stories that, you know, they're a little off. But, you know, it's like, okay. You know, and, and I do. I smile at them. If I can help them, I do. You know, all these various things. But um, it's, it, it, you do, you learn so much when you open yourself up. And he'll say, you know, where did you meet that person? You were standing there talking to him forever. I'm like, well, I met him in the line. Yeah. He's like, really? You haven't known them? I'm like, no. You have the face, yeah. too. You have the face. You don't well, and, all... and part of it is you just make eye contact. Exactly. You know, you're not staring at your shoes. You're not playing with your phone. Yeah. You know, all these various things. Well, the word that I like to use the most, and when I'm training or teaching or something, we're talking to a group of people, the word kindness always mm -hmm. comes up. If you are just kind, people are looking for that. Right. They they need it. They're, it's something that they must have. And all mm -hmm. you have to do is smile at them, say a kind word, mention something about their child, whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden they know this is a kind person. And right. so they start talking because they, they need it so bad. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and you can tell, I mean, there are times where you can tell where somebody really needs that you know they've there you know you mentioned in your book the story about the woman in the airport who you know just got horrible news over the phone and and you picked up on that and went and sat with her right um, right you know and and you know it took probably five minutes out of your day to go and do that but it made such a difference for her and you know deb that i tell that stories uh, in motivational speeches and there isn't a dry eye in the house with the women and i really mm -hmm. do believe that they, it touches them because they've had real life experience to that. You know, right. the woman in the book had just found out she had breast cancer. You can automatically see the women in my audience uh, just looking at me like, oh, my God, she knows. Right. And yeah. then they start tearing up. So, mm -hmm. it, you know, there are stories we all have that touch a lot of people. And we encourage women and men to tell those stories. Mm -hmm. Tell them. You don't right. know who you might who you might help or affect. Right. Well, speaking of stories, one of the things that I I really liked about your book is you had all of these snippets mm -hmm. of stories from from all these people. How did you get all those stories? Well, that's uh, we went we that was part of the survey mm -hmm. that we went to uh, and asked them uh, to give us some stories, and um, it was part I, I don't remember the exact question, but we just said, give us a story about something that's happened to you. And mm -hmm. boy, they happily did. And, right. and of course, being the storyteller, 
Yes. We went and asked everybody we knew. <laughs> we mm -hmm. And we remembered They're the like stories. We remembered <laughs> stories that people had told us, you know, sitting around drinking coffee and they'd laughing, say, laughing. Uh, yeah. Like the, the, the friend that couldn't remember the word dried. <laughs> Right. She kept saying, oh, you know, dewatered. And we're all like, you mean dry? You know, those yeah. senior moments yeah. we have. <laughs> right. Um, we had tons of those. We tons. had our own experiences. We had families, friends. And then when we sent out this questionnaire and people sent, you know, sent back all these different little descriptive things. And then we would get in touch with people and help them expand it. You know, mm -hmm. so that we could help them to tell the story a little bit more right. so that we could use it. But it was fun. I mean, we laughed mm -hmm. and laughed and laughed. Well, and, you know, there's there's funny stories. There's touching stories. Um, you know, there's there's all sorts of things. But as I was reading it, I'm thinking, wow, I, I, I either could have gone through that or I know somebody has yep. with almost every single story. We were hoping, Deb, that everything, whether it be the small snippets or, or the stories themselves or just our, our content would somewhere, just like you said earlier, that you went, aha, oh yeah, that's me. If it brought a tear or two, then we know that we touched somebody with our mm -hmm. Right. Well, and, you know, we, we talked at the start about the fact that, that Jane made up this word middlehood. <laughs> the other part that I love about the book is, is the subtitle, which is Halfway Up the Mountain. Because we've been raised, you know, and, 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 and I'm saying we as in kind of the, the American people, because obviously other cultures do this very differently, but at about 50-ish, you're at the top of the mountain and everything else is downhill from there. And, and I love the fact that you're talking about the fact that 50-ish, you know, 40 to, to 65, so uh, 52 and a half would be what, halfway in there, um, that that's just halfway up the mountain. We're not at the top starting down. Right. We're just halfway up to the top. And, and why did you decide to really do that? Because I love that concept. Well, one of the things, a number of things really kind of prompted this thought from both of us. And it was one that we talked about and talked through a lot. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of stories around the world about life being climbing a mountain. Mm -hmm. And there's just many, that, that image, that metaphor is, is a universal one that shows right. up in all kinds of stories. And one of the things I was really thinking of was that in all of those stories, it's never about getting to the top and then the, that, what, we, what Nancy and I refer to as the downward slide into death, right. mm -hmm. <laughs> which is really, there, that's why over. everybody's afraid to turn 40 is because yes, now they're going to the start slide. the downward mm -hmm. slide to death. Um, so one of the things we wanted to show with that title is if we take that image uh, that life is like climbing a mountain and Nancy especially is a huge hiker and climber and has done 14ers and we live here in Colorado but mm -hmm. those images show up everywhere right and so we decided that we would really take that and we have heard from people who said nah that's just not really the way I think about it and that's fine 
But for us, the, we wanted the image that no matter how old you get, no matter what's going on, you're still moving. And mm -hmm. you're still moving up your own mountain of life and finding your new vistas. The point right. of it was, was not that you're just going to be crawling and, you know, hauling yourself up. Sometimes that's what it's like. But mm -hmm. other times you're just breaking free. You're stepping out into a moment and the view gets clearer and clearer. And our, the vistas get bigger and better. And there are even spiritual teachings about how the spirit is a mountain. And right. everybody starts at the base of the mountain. And we all walk a path up. And, you know, that's dependent on our religion or culture or where we come from. But the farther up we go, and I certainly found that true in my life, the longer I live, the more experiences I have, the more I find in common with people and the more the differences become less important and in mm -hmm. those spiritual teachings the paths actually become fewer they join and they join until we all really get it by the time mm -hmm. we're getting up towards the top of the mountain wherever that right. is for each one and of we're us. not rolling down we're not rolling no. or <laughs> right or running we still have our as we get into elderhood, we still have our journey. We're still mm -hmm. teachers. We're still mentors. We're still creative. all of those things and creative right. and unique. Uh, so it isn't like we run up and you fall down. <laughs> it, it, you really then you start working with the the younger generation. Mm -hmm. Be those teachers. That's what right. we want to be. Well, I mean, you know, look at the things that that go viral on Facebook. Say, look, I'll bring social media back in. Um, you know, it's it's the picture of the hundred-year-old woman dancing. Oh, yeah. You know, and and we're thinking, oh, that's gonna be me. <laughs> yes. Um. You know, or or maybe I'll just be the person sitting there tapping my toe, but I'm still gonna be there. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, and 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 you know, it's not that everything is hunky dory and rosy. There's peaks and valleys, and your path deviates, and you know, all of those various things. But it is that you that you still are growing. You're still gaining knowledge. You're still sharing all of that, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. rather than getting up there at you know forty, whatever age, and then going wow and you're sliding yeah. down on the other side. The best is and, all and, behind and, me. That's what people yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and I think that's why women are, you know, and and men obviously too, but why we don't want to go into middle age is because we think the best is behind us. Right. You know, when, when it's really not, we are just halfway up that mountain. Mm -hmm. Right. And we had all kinds of women who gave us quotes about that. This was the best time in their lives. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they were in their late fifties or sixties, the best time they've ever had because now they've come into themselves. They realize right. who they are. They know what all this wisdom can do, who they can give it to. They feel good. Uh, and if they don't feel good, then they're still trying to get to that vista, you yep. know, mm -hmm. trying to feel better. Um, but we had a lot of women say this was it. This is the right. Na time. Nancy's mom, who, who passed away a few years ago in her middle 80s, used to say, oh, to be 60 again. Right. And when we were in our 40s and 50s and we'd listen to her say, oh, to be 60 again, that was such a great time, we'd look at each other and say, that's so great. really? 60. Yeah. 60. And now we're oh. 60 and we're like, this, this is, is great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's really good. This is an awesome time. 
Well, and of course, middlehood is where so many things change, whether we want them to or not. Exactly. Um, you know, and 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 it is you know that's that's where we end, change, start careers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because you you your kids are off, or you know, all these various things. And for a lot of people, it is that all of a sudden they're alone. Um, you know, their their spouse, their partner divorced them. Um, you know, I, I have a friend who, you know, uh, she'd been married 30 years and her husband said, yeah, I don't want to go to 31. And, yeah. you know, so she's like, okay. And, and she's just, she thinks this is the greatest thing in the world. But, um, you know, or you know, we, we actually lose the, the, that person, they right. pass away. And, and so I think that's where, again, people are so afraid, you know, they don't want to hit that point. Because we've seen other people go through it, you know, our, we saw our, you know, our, our mothers lose our fathers or, you know, all, all of those various things. And so we're thinking, well, I don't want to get old because that's going to happen to me. And, and the stories in the book that you talk about, it really is a time of, like you said, coming into their own, you know, they're not the mother, the wife, the whoever, they're me, you know, they're, they're 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 who they were meant to be they're not kind defined of by out. their roles i mean we all play many right. roles in our mm-hmm. more than we but what happens is is that a lot of the given roles that we start out our lives with and grow into fall away right. and then we're like oh well now what do i do and that mm-hmm. is an incredible scary and very exciting and creative point right well, and, you know, we write in there about mothers are always mothers, you know, right. uh-huh. be a mom, yes. no matter whether they're 12 or, or 40. But mm-hmm. the fact remains is that when that empty nest time comes, then those that role as a mother changes in a different way. They'll mm-hmm. be the mother of the adult child who's gone and out mm-hmm. on their own being independent. But at the same time, they either have to spend some time with their husband or their spouse or or, or their partner. It doesn't matter who's left. Uh, it redefines everything about who they are. Right. So. Well, and, and now we've got the situation for, for a lot of people who their kids are getting older and their parents are getting older. So all of a sudden they're having right. to, to, you know, to start taking care of them. Right. Yes. You know, they, they still call that, they used to call that back in the eight 90s, the sandwich generation. But right. They're still calling it the sandwich generation because mm-hmm. more and more parents are living longer and now mm-hmm. they're going to have to, they either put them in a nursing home or they bring them to their home. But more and more women I'm finding, we're finding, is that they are actually bringing them into their home. Or so, they're still living on their own. Or they're still living right. in their own house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's an exciting time, but at the same time, it's a worrisome time. Because mm-hmm. if they're not living with you, then it's harder if they're living on their own that you worry all the time. Yeah. Right. You have that. You know, even if they're doing fabulously, you're still, still thinking, oh, are they eating right? right. You know, are they are they driving? <laughs> That's you a know. big they one. Not be yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny when we uh, we it was it wasn't I, I say that is the royal we because it wasn't me when the decision was made that my mother in law would no longer drive. You know, that was, that was, you know, incredibly difficult. She had a lot of family. Now she, you know, she had nine kids and they all, you know, for the most part lived fairly close. And then she had grandkids and great grandkids. So she had no shortage of chauffeurs, but, you know, finally having to admit that she couldn't drive, you know, I I asked her about it one time and she said, I know I have all these people who can help, but I don't want to ask them. And, you know, that was the biggest 
thing of, of, you know, taking her independence away was taking those car keys, exactly. um, you know, and, and that's where it gets really scary. It is. it is because many parents think they are, have become a burden when you tell right. them all day long and into the next week that they are never a burden. Mm-hmm. It, that generation of uh, that generation of the silent generation will always feel that way. I think I'll feel that way when I mm-hmm. become elderly and somebody takes my keys right. that I will be a burden to somebody. But we have to continue. We talk about this, how you just continue to tell them, no, you're not a burden. I love you. This is mm-hmm. what I want to do for you. Hey, you taught me to drive. Now it's my turn. You know, it's that mm-hmm. kind of thing. That's I think that's uh, half of it. And the other half is that we just want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. Right. I mean, yeah. If I want to go to the grocery store at two o'clock in the morning, I want to go to the grocery store at two o'clock in the morning. Give me my key. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Oh Lord. Yes. We went through that with my dad mm-hmm. <laughs> and, my mom. and my dad sneaked and drove his car and went to the bank. Cause that was his big thing going. To oh yeah. <laughs> and the bank narked on him and called uh-huh. us and said, I don't really think your dad should be driving. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh my gosh. So we do, you know, and it's, it is an amazing and rare gift. And Nancy and I talk about that. Uh, neither one of us have children, but we have younger siblings and nieces and mm-hmm. nephews. And we talk about how we want to be able to make the choice for ourselves mm-hmm. that it's time because right. it's such a terrible it thing for your children or the mm-hmm. younger people in your life to have to make that choice for you. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and, and speaking of that, that older generation, one of the things that you talk about a lot in the book is take the time to talk to them, yeah. you know, hear their stories. And, and um, that, that kind of hit home with me because I've been in the hospital off and on quite a bit the last couple of months. And my mother was able to, to come out and spend quite a bit of time. And I had trouble sleeping at night in the hospital for a variety of reasons, you know, and, and just kind of all sorts of things. And I would say, talk to me, just tell me stories, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and because I didn't want to just lay there and watch TV. I needed somebody to talk to me and some of the stories. And then her sister came out. And so my, my aunt was here also. Some of those stories that they told were the coolest stories and things I had never heard before. And, you know, and, and it was funny because some of them, I would, I also had uh, my best friend who came out and stayed for a while. And the next day I would say, mom, mom, you have to tell Holly that story. (laughs) Um, You know, because it was just such a cool story. And, you know, and, and we do get caught up in, you know, our busy lives and, you know, certainly everybody is busy, but take the time to say, tell us, you know, tell us about when you were a little girl or, you know, tell us about what it was like to be in the war. You know, my, my father would never talk to me about being in the war because you didn't talk to women about that. Or you didn't. And right. Yeah. Now he would talk to men and he would talk to my husband a bit about it. And, and there would be things that every once in a while he would kind of let slip, but he just, he didn't think it was appropriate Mm -hmm. to tell those type of stories. Now he would, he would talk about funny things, you know, like he, he was from this very small town in, in Colorado, which doesn't even exist any longer. And he's in the middle of France, you know, out really out there in the middle of nowhere (laughs) And he, he literally ran into his brother. <laughs> oh. They had no idea that they were, you know, they knew they were in Europe together, but no idea that they were, you know. And so, you know, and, and so he would talk about things like that, but he never would talk about the the, the horrific things that he saw. Oh. And 
you know, not that I wanted to hear those stories, but it would have been good for me to hear those stories. But you know, our service people, even in this day and age, won't talk much about right. those no. experiences. But but what I what I would suggest to people, and this is something that as we were writing the book, I got to thinking more and more about it is as we're growing up, like you said, we're busy, we're independent, we don't talk to our parents, we just go on and make our own lives. But as I got older and I was helping to take care of my parents, I thought, well, I could sit at their knee and listen to those stories and as long as I could, but the fact is I didn't have their voice. So I right. taped them. Mm-hmm. I got a tape, a little miniature tape recorder and said, oh, mm-hmm. tell me the stories. Now that they're both gone, not only do I have those stories, but I have their voices. Right. And and what a treasure that it is. It is. It's precious. It comforts me in, in difficult times to hear my mama's voice and my papa's voice. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that I waited too long, though, mm-hmm. Deb. I wish right. I'd have done this years ago. Mm-hmm. When they could remember and they weren't sick. You know, when they mm-hmm. remember stories and people's names and things like that. Right. I, I had, my version of that experience and my conclusion was that I waited too long as well. My dad loved to talk about family history and genealogy. And when I was younger, I just wasn't interested unless there right. were pirates or, you know, mm-hmm. something, exciting. <laughs> something exciting, outlaws. But by the time I realized how important it was for him to be able to tell me who all these photographs were. Yeah, the photographs. We had right. boxes of photographs. And, and in the past, he might have tried to tell us, and we didn't really pay that much attention. And when I was ready, he couldn't remember. Right, right. The photograph. It broke mm-hmm. her heart so that we had, mm-hmm. that was on us. We had right. waited too long. And he kept staring at them, and it, he would point to people's faces and and he wouldn't be able to remember. That was, mm-hmm. that was sad. And one of the things, we put that stuff in the book because if people have an opportunity, don't, we can don't say, wait. Don't, don't wait, wait too long. Right, because, because things change quickly for, you know, for, can, for whatever reason. They can turn around so fast right. that once you think, you're, you think about doing it and then they're no longer with you, you know, dementia mm-hmm. or able, something, something. Right. Well, and you know, we we've been talking about the fact that a lot of women, you know, we don't we don't want to, you know, as as we said, we're vain, we're scared, we're whatever. We don't want to become that person in in middlehood. But one of the concepts that you talk about in your book is this equation for transformation, which is start with an ending, mm-hmm. go into the middle, and pass through to a new beginning. And talk to us more about that because that's a fascinating concept because we're working backwards, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so why is that so important, especially as we hit that 40 to 65 age range, that that, that is how we're learning to grow and, and survive? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is probably, I would say, one of the top three most important pieces of wisdom that I learned from my teachers that I use all the time in my life and pass on whenever I can. Stephen and Meredith Foster were teachers of mine for many, many years, and mm-hmm. they developed the equation for transformation. That's what they would laughingly call it, based on uh, what they had learned from indigenous teachers, what they had learned in their own lives, what they had learned from psychology. Um, it, and they looked at our culture, at our society in modern times and realized that 
especially in industrialized countries where we're always about the new thing, the new invention, the new electronics, the new idea, that what had happened was that we, as we'd been forging ahead with all these wonderful new inventions that we had, was that we had forgotten how to finish things. Ah. And so as a culture, we, were, we would help each other get over the end of a relationship by saying, oh, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll meet somebody new. Right. Or, or, or you just introduce them to somebody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And immediately everybody would go to work trying to find somebody new for you to date. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, God forbid, a child dies. People say all the time, oh, well, you can have more children. Right. You know? And they don't, nobody that. means to be unkind. That's mm-hmm. just the way we're all taught to think. Right. Well, what happens is we don't know how to actually finish and complete things, especially mm-hmm. things with powerful emotional components right. to it. We don't take the time exactly. to grieve or, you know, all those exactly. things. Exactly. And so the equation for transformation is takes everything that we learn in modern times and turns it on its ear. Instead of, oh, let's think of the new thing, it's stay with the old thing. Whatever it is that's ending, whatever phase of your life, whatever relationship, whatever job, it doesn't matter. It could be big or little. Stay with it. Grieve, finish, have those conversations. Say thank you. Honor people and experiences. Really take the time to go through it, feel it, and and honor what is passing, and mm-hmm. then put it down. Right. And you will be able to actually walk away from it in mm-hmm. a way you can't when you don't finish. When you don't finish, you just drag stuff yeah, with it's you. always there. Mm-hmm. You just go into another relationship that's mm-hmm. just like the one before. Right. You, yeah, you, you pick the same, you know, yeah. the person who has the same the traits. Pattern. and exactly. The pattern yeah. is still operating. Exactly. But the trick is that the place you go to is not the new thing. The place that you go to is an in-between place. It's a blank space. And we hate that. It's a terrible place to be. We really. hate right. that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I know p- uh, friends who are in... 12-step recovery groups, they used to talk about this all the time. Okay, I'm not drinking anymore. Okay, I don't even want to drink anymore, but who am I? <laughs> what am mm-hmm. I doing? And right, because that, that defined them before. That, that was it. And the thing that we have to learn to do is to stay in this quiet middle place. Mm-hmm. We have to learn patience. We have to quiet. learn some kind of stillness and quiet and we have to learn to not be afraid of that inner dark. The dark, right. not dark because it's bad, but dark mm-hmm. because we can't see. Mm-hmm. In the, I, I talk to people about how it's like being in a tunnel. There's a point where you have walked away from the light at one end, and you, mm-hmm. there's a bend, you and can't you can't see, see the light mm-hmm. coming. Yeah. You know it's there, yeah. but there's other there. things that you have to work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and that is not the train that's exactly. going to hit you. Um, not, but you have to work to get there. Yeah, it's not a comfortable place. No, it's and, not comfortable. and for people in our culture, it is miserable because everything tells us we should be doing something. We should be doing mm-hmm. something. Do yes. something about Come your on. situation. Right. <laughs> and 
And, you know, and I think that is one of the things when we're entering middlehood or we're in middlehood that that we're thinking, you know, what do I do now? You know, where yes. am I going? Uh, you know, you've got a chapter about retirement and we're thinking, well, I don't want to retire because that means I'm old, right. you know, and, and all of these things. And and we should be thinking, you know what, my career, my relationship, my, you know, parenting, all of that, it's it's ending, it's changing and work through that. And then you can move on to the next exactly. level. Right. And the biggest thing, a lot of people want to know what their purpose is. You know, right. I'm not working my nine to five or my nine to mm-hmm. eight job anymore, which people just work like crazy. Uh-huh. They don't have a purpose anymore. They don't know what their mm-hmm. purpose is. I know a lot of people, I work for the state, I know a lot of people who die right after they retire. Right. Like, so right. They have no purpose. Mm-hmm. I'm like, really? I can't wait. But most mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Or, you know, the people who their kids go off to college yeah. and it's like, well, now what do I what do? do? I do? Well, they're yeah, because I was always so and so's mom. Right. They're a perfect example, though. See, they're they're ending something, and it mm-hmm. is not their parenting, but it's ending having those children there. And then when they go right. to college as young adults, now they're in the middle. Now they're mm-hmm. in that place of darkness where they have to wait for the next thing to come. Maybe mm-hmm. not very long, right? Right. And right. that's the thing. If we can actually find the stillness to just sit and listen to ourselves and mm-hmm. and let old thoughts or things we used to love to do or a new idea or something a friend says if we can actually let those things in because mm-hmm. we have the space the inner space because we've done the work of ending we have more space and that's, that's where mm-hmm. the new things mm-hmm. come from. right their sparks their little ideas their Oh, moments. Uh-huh. There are those mm-hmm. moments. And that's where we carry the essence of who we are through this emptying time. And then we come into something new. And that mm-hmm. is a, a formula that we really don't know anything about in this culture. And we need to learn more about. Right. Well, and you know, there's another analogy to this whole equation for transformation is like, you've heard this maybe before about having a backpack full of rocks. Mm-hmm. As you walk through life, you have your backpack full of rocks. Well, that's, and then they start falling out as you go more and more into your life. That's the ending piece. If you mm-hmm. let those rocks fall out of or your backpack take or take them out and throw them at somebody if you must, <laughs> uh-huh. just let them fall out. And by the time it's empty, then you're in that middle place. You're in that mm-hmm. place of dark quiet, everything, and then, so then when you're out of it, when the new beginnings start popping, well, then your backpack fills back up again. Right. You're, you're picking up new rocks. Good stuff. Yes. Good stuff. Not the old stuff you're carrying mm-hmm. back. Yeah. Right. That's it. Well, ladies, holy cow. Holy cow. I, I feel like we just touched the surface of this because I did, I had other questions, so that just means I have to have you on again. Okay. Um, and, and I think this is something that... You know, I want to encourage our listeners to really get your book. So how do they get your book? Well, right now, we, right now we're giving away our books as a gift for free. Cool. <laughs> just for the cost of the shipping just and if, handling. Just for the cost of shipping and handling. All they need to do is go to our website, www.middlehood.com, and they will go to the contact page. And it says there to put in their contact information. And it'll send and to submit it, it'll send us an email, and then we'll send them a book as soon as they give us the shipping and handling. For wonderful, it will be signed by both of us, 
And nice. also, we have five audio stories that we recorded in a studio from the book. And one of them was one you were talking about, the Puma. The medicine mm -hmm. story. medicine story is on yes. these. We will send them to the, those to them by email free as MP3s. Nice. I love it. Now, this is well, for a limited time only. <laughs> yes. You know, and, and, and if you're listening to this in the future, right. you know, contact them anyway. Yes. Yes. Go <laughs> to the contact page of middlehood.com. The yes. book is also available on Amazon and through Barnes and Noble and, uh -huh. you know, other a lot of sites. other bookstores. It's still right, out right. there being sold, but we decided just the other day that we had, we had copies that we had bought when we first published it that we just, they don't do us any good in a box. You right. want uh, the women, the very women and the men who love them to have a copy uh, because that we want them out there. Mm -hmm. yeah, and, and, you know, as I said, as I was reading it, and I, I tend to read a lot of books, it really was one of those where I was sitting there, uh-huh, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. And, you know, we talked about the, the Puma story, and we didn't talk about it on this broadcast, so that means we definitely have to have you on again because maybe it was just exactly where I was in my life at that point, but that really struck me. I mean, that, that Puma story, just that really got me. And so, see, our listeners have got to get the book so yes. they know what the heck we're talking it's about. It's a powerful story, and it's one of the MP3s that Jane reads. So. Very nice, very nice. Story. Well, I have been having an absolutely fabulous time talking with Jane Treat and Nancy Gia. And like I said, we will have you on again. So one more time, how do people find you online? Go to www.middlehood.com. That's middlehood's all one word. Dot com and go to the contact page. Actually, just run around the, the website. Take a look. Read. Uh, we have Dr. Northrup's uh, quote on there and everything. So if they Perfect. just go there and they want to contact us, do the contact page. We also I have a it. Facebook page. We have Facebook, mm -hmm. Women in Middlehood. Go on there and like us. Yep. Perfect. I love it. Well, we will have you on again. And for everyone, have a great week. Thank you, Deb. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Deb Career, your social media friend. Tune in next time to listen to more great tips, techniques, and trends for using social media. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.